Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Ready to launch a new career or not sure what to do after graduation? Rumkey is hiring for CDL driving trainees. We pay you to get your CDL license while working for us. Driver trainees receive $18 an hour, great benefits, and Rumkey will pay your CDL costs. Once you're a CDL driver, you can earn $1,000 to $1,300 a week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in your first year. Apply today and launch a lucrative career at Rumkey. Apply now at RumkeyCareers.com. Equal opportunity employer. Restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 40 of the Hawks Talks podcast and all things Atlanta Hawks podcast, hosted by two lifelong Hawks fans. As always, I'm your, one of the co-hosts of this podcast, Jack, so I've been not joined today by Logan. Logan is currently going through some personal and private stuff, you know. So, to Logan, you know, wishing you the best, buddy. If you know, if you want to go tweet at Logan that, that'd be great, because I know he's going through some stuff right now. He was unable to podcast, even though he really wanted to, but he'll be back soon. But I do have a very special guest, um, my friend, QK. QK, you are from New Zealand. Hello, and you—you you are am. correct. You specialize in covering the NBL, which has become a hot topic yep. recently with the NBA draft because of Josh Giddy, who is a prospect who plays in the NBL. NBL and is uh, projected to go uh, in the lottery. It would seem. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, yeah. Most mocks have him kind of late lottery, especially but, recent ones. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's a very intriguing prospect because he's like a taller point guard and all that. And I just thought it'd be cool to bring you on. Uh, fun fact: you're our first international guest ever. You're about. Oh, I'm so glad I am. So you're about. I, I looked it up. I looked it up before this. You're about eight thousand miles away from me. It's a little bit of distance. That's, yeah, just a, a little bit. But no, just, uh, just a tiny you. bit. Just a tiny bit. I, I needed someone to come on. I would ask it around. You you stepped up. You're like, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready to come on. I'm ready to make my my podcast. Ready, ready, ready for the challenge. You are, and you're also a Celtics fan, correct? Exactly. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, see, just like Nikki, we have another Celtics fan, which is becoming a trend. But you do, you generally do know a lot about basketball, which I think is cool. The the, the Celtics fans are uh, sneak their way in. That, that's just how we do it. They, they're sneaking their way on to you know. Eventually, they're just going to become the host of this podcast, and they're just going to phase us out over time. It's going to become Celtics talks, you know. <laughs> but I, I, I oh, guess no one wants that. No, I mean, look, there's a bunch of look. Bill Simmons kind of has the Boston, Boston <laughs> Celtics market just locked out at the moment. Like there, really, nobody else is uh, exactly. Nobody's messing with Bill Simmons. Hey, maybe when uh, you know, he uh, dies, <laughs> you might have a chance, but not right now. Yeah, I, th- I think I think the person who's next in line for that will be like Max Carlin. But other than that, no one's touching him. No, look. It- you gotta find your niche, and sometimes your niche is not uh is not doing what Bill Simmons is doing. But it is nice to have you on. Exactly. Um, so thank you awesome, for coming sweet. on. I appreciate it. Uh, I guess the first thing I want to go and talk about is we were just I just mentioned his name a minute ago. Uh, Josh Giddy. I mean, he's super in- interesting. You've uh, obviously watched a lot of him in the NBL this year, so could I've, you, I've uh, watched a lot of Josh Giddy. I, I will admit, I have watched basically the bare minimum. I think I've watched one game, to be completely honest with you. I've been a bit casual about the draft. Uh-huh. I'll admit that. So uh, I'll just go ahead and let you take <laughs> over. Uh, you know, tell me about Josh Giddy, and you know, try try and sell Damn. me on him. I guess. Well, the thing is, I'm not really going to sell you on him because when it comes to Josh Giddy, I'm quite cynical of him. Uh, oh, so you're I not feel like super especially, high on him. especially in no, I I've become higher on him recently because my the the context to my view of Josh Giddy 
is uh so i watched him a lot at the start of the season and as you might know he was like really fucking bad to start the season yeah no at the uh, he, of the season, I remember he just he was terrible. Could, couldn't shoot the ball he had a lot of problems with just making boneheaded decisions and i feel that went really under the radar but over time uh he's progressed a lot uh he, he had a really hot shooting streak recently like a few like it was a four for eight game from three and a few showings like that but uh i would say i'm still not super high on him i like him as like a mid first potentially like i would say in their like 18 to 25 range but I can understand why people might touch him in the lottery, but it's not for me at the moment. Let me ask you something. So, obviously, LaMelo Ball, he was super hyped up last year. I mean, he obviously went top three in the draft yep. last year. How much do you think, you know, both of guys, Gideon and LaMelo, they're both taller point guards. How much do you mm-hmm. think, uh, you know, LaMelo Ball's success, because he had a very good rookie year. He exceeded my expectations just with the Hornets this year. I mean, he was getting rookie of the year talks until he goes down with that wrist injury. How much do you think LaMelo Ball's success as a rookie has to do with, you know, people saying, hey, like, maybe let's take a look at Josh getting the lottery. Like, maybe this guy isn't a late first. Like, yeah, a huge amount. Yeah, I, I would, I, I would say, so say a well. huge amount, but it's unwarranted in my opinion. I, I like they're, they're both, okay, they're both uh, jumbo-sized playmakers, but I don't feel like they're similar players, despite those few similarities so there's a lot of unwarranted hype going towards josh giddy thinking oh look lamello did well so josh giddy should be able to follow suit but i i just don't see it playing out like that i'm not saying josh giddy's going to be a bad player but lamello clearly had a lot more um on ball equity and ability to actually create with the ball where josh giddy just does not have that i don't think there is much like self self-creation uh potential there with giddy where there was with lamello so yeah, I was just asking because, you know, a lot of the NBA draft is just about, like, hopping on trends. Like, teams do it every year, you know. A team does something, yep. a team sees another do something the previous year, and everybody's on it. Like, you know, drafting, like, these taller wings like Pokushevsky or Jada McDaniels, who are, like, taller guys that can ball handle. So, I was just wondering if, like, the trend of Lamelo will play into, you know, getting, getting drafted higher than maybe you think. Because, I mean, obviously, you've watched a ton of him. Um, what about some other international guys? What are, I know you're, you also specialize in those, so. Uh... Sticking, sticking to the NBL, Mojave King was someone that I was actually higher than on getting, and I think a lot of people were. Uh, and King, I would say, is a 2022 draft guy at this point. Uh, he has not been getting uh, many reps for Kens, but I feel like he's still being pretty underrated in terms of uh, w- what he can develop into. Uh, so for Kens this year, he's only playing 14 minutes a game, and Kens have been by far the worst team in the league. Uh, pretty uh, injury-riddled as well. Uh, but he's had some bright moments uh, recently due to those injuries and some big games. And he's your like prototypical 3 and D wing. And I think he still has a shot at going potentially late first round next year. I remember he was getting like hyped up like a lot at the beginning of the season, mainly by by like people I talked to about the draft. Like they, 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 there were yeah, some stands yeah. of his, but over time it kind of seemed like it started to waver away. And I was just curious about that. So is it is it something to do where his team just so bad that he's not really able to find success, or is it or is it something where he's also just it's not really interesting, not playing up to I've, what we I've, thought he was? It's almost a bit of both. So I've watched a lot of Ken's games for God knows what reason, uh, but it seems he just doesn't touch the ball a lot. Uh, a lot of the time you'll see him just darting for the corner and he'll stand there and he'll just wait. Uh, even when they're running just like through the motions, uh, trying to run some sets, he barely touches the ball. There are some occasions in which uh, it looks like the pass should go to him and his teammates just go go out of their way to avoid passing to him. I wonder if there's something behind the scenes there. It's just an odd detail that I've kind of recognized. Uh, but when he has been given opportunity, uh, he usually produces uh, and he finds ways to produce, whether that is... Uh, through 
he's got a weird knack for offensive rebounds. Like, it won't really show statistically. In some occasions, it does. But he really makes an effort to try and get his own. When he gets the ball, he's shooting the, He's shooting it, like, every single time. And I think that's not a result of his immaturity. It's a result of this poor situation. I'd personally love to see him be on a different team next because with Kins, it just hasn't been a good fit. So, is that like a thing in the NBA? Do like players, you know, often just like move off of their current teams to go up to better teams? I'm not too familiar with the NBA. Like, I, I honestly, casual, well, thing, I, I didn't know it existed until Lamelo <laughs> went over. I'm sorry, but with 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 the whole Next Stars program, that's relatively new. That's only been a thing. I wonder if Terrence Ferguson was considered a Next Stars player, but Terrence Ferguson coming over to the NBL and then uh, playing for Adelaide and then getting drafted uh, to the Thunder, that really uh, catapulted this idea of the NBL being uh, almost a breeding ground for uh, NBA draft prospects. So we're not, there's not a lot of, uh, it's, it's a pretty small sample size in terms of young players being in the league and especially young players with a future elsewhere. Like we've had young players before who then become long-term NBL players and then they move around a little but we haven't had these prospects like a Mojave King who was supposed to be you know possibly going to the NBA the next year but he's now been put in this position where maybe that's not right for him and he might have to play a second year in the NBL so there's not a lot of set groundwork in terms of how this is going to play out yeah, just so you mentioned, like, the NBL is becoming, like, a breeding ground. I 100% love it. You know, I'm anti-NCAA. I think a lot of people hold that opinion. I, I'm all for players yeah. going over to the NBL. You know, I'm a big fan of New Zealand. I'm going to pump up New Zealand here. New Zealand basketball is good. <laughs> y'all got Aaron Baines, who's, who exists. Y'all, y'all got... Um, Does he count as a New Zealander, though? <laughs> Does no, he count? I, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't know any homegrown New Zealand players in the NBL. I know y'all got Isaac Humphreys, um, Lamar Patterson. That, that's about it. I, I know a few guys yeah I mean the the NBL talent wise I would say say is still a, a bit overrated like I think last year I was of the opinion trying to convince people that it was actually pretty decent and then this year like a few weeks ago I put together like a top 75 players in the NBL and then I realized all of the top five guys could barely make an NBA roster and that's when I was like hmm Maybe not. Well, but... Maybe I ought to pump the brakes a little bit on this one. Like, well, hold on, hold on. I might have, I might have spoke <laughs> exactly. too soon. I was no. making a top five and listing people like Mitch Creek in there, and that's when it got a bit, a bit fishy. But, but how do you feel like as like, uh, do you, I'm sure you do, but do you like you know players coming over from the U.S. saying, hey, like, forget going to college, forget you know going to the G League. Like, I'm gonna go play in the NBA, NBL. I'm gonna make a name for myself. You know, it worked out for Lamelo very well. Lamelo went top three from playing in it. Yeah. I mean, it works. Absolutely uh, love it. It's Terrence Ferguson, it's, who you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, even even other guys like um, Didi Lazada. Oh he's yeah, been playing and, with he, Sydney and he just and got he's signed, just signed the other with the day. Pelicans. Um, Brian Bowen, if you remember him, he was with the Sydney Kings. Um, and there's even even rumors of um, players to come in the future. Like Amoni Bates just decommitted from Michigan State to say that now his college and pro options are still there. Imagine if Bates comes over to the NBL. That's gonna like. Catapult the league so much, honestly. Like Amadi Bates, he's been compared to like the next Kevin Durant since he has fifteen. Personally, don't agree with it, but you know how you know how people get with high school players. Yeah. The hype just goes off the wheel exactly, for them. Yeah, a guy like him going to the NBL, you know, especially Lamelo. You look back, you're like, hey, look, they're 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 doing something over there. Like, you don't have to go to college. Like, the NCAA isn't your option. Like, the G League, you know, there's Definitely. a few guys on the G League team who kind of were just like fodder on the bench, like I, Isaiah Todd and uh, Kai Soto, I believe. Wait. Yeah, Kai Soto is coming to the NBL. Yeah, so he's going to be playing for Adelaide next season. So, so you just have like a bunch of guys who are like viewing the NBL as like a, 
like like you said, a breeding ground. I just think it's super cool because one, you know, they're getting paid to play, which is by far the biggest thing. But it's also great exposure for the league. Yeah, that's awesome. It, it, it's so great in terms of um, Australia and New Zealand. Uh, it's not as much of a culture shock as uh, say like Brandon Jennings when he was going through the draft process and buggered off to Europe. Uh, and then he had that huge culture shock. I feel like a lot of guys get that. Uh, Emmanuel Moutier with going to China. Yeah, definitely. Uh, with Australia and New Zealand, it's pretty much... There's a bit of bias there, but it is it is a lot closer and more comfortable uh, in terms of culture to somewhere like the States, like Western-speaking countries. Uh, back, back onto, like, potential future... ...who's potentially looking at coming to the NBL. And I apologize if I butcher his name, but um, Usman Jing from France... And it's interesting because we've only been seeing like these American players coming over as uh, next stars. But for Jing to come from France to to move to Australia, that could, that could be really interesting in terms of uh, other international players deciding to go elsewhere internationally in preparation for the draft. Wow, I didn't even know about the Usman Jing thing. That's actually that's like super cool. <laughs> yeah, I was really surprised when I heard it. Yeah. It's just, it's it, it's very cool. But I also want to touch on, you know, moving a bit away from the NBL. You know, there's a bunch of international prospects. I think one of the most intriguing ones, there's a lot of debate about this guy. You know, whether you're just talking to your friends about the draft or, you know, you're going on draft Twitter and all that, it's Usman Garuba. Look, I, I, I don't know how I feel about him in the top ten. I'm going to say it. I, I can't get down with <laughs> I can if you're really buying into him being a defensive specialist. At the moment, I've got him sitting, I think, at like 12th on my board. He's the second best international prospect for me. I've got um, percussion ahead of him. Uh, but when it, when it comes to Garuba, I would honestly take him as high as 8th if you're really buying into what he can be. Uh, I think, was it, was, it, uh, was it Petey Webb that did a big piece on him recently? Yeah, I've been meaning to read it. I haven't got around to it, but... I, I love Garuba. Personally, a huge fan of what he can provide defensively, and I'm not as bothered by his lack of offensive production as others. But yeah, on Garuba, it's just, I don't know, it's just, I can't, personally, I just don't feel him in the top 10. Like, the defensive upside, undeniable, is there. Like, he's a phenomenal athlete, you know, he has phenomenal defensive traits, but for me, it it is the lack of offensive game. Like, you were saying it doesn't bother you, but for me, it bothers me, because look, there's a lot of guys you can pick up and just say, hey, go harass people on defense, rim protect, you know, chase people around, but I think what warrants you know taking a guy in the top 10 is will they take that next step on offense that's just my opinion though see i i I believe he can and there's already signs of him i would say he's probably one of the best playmaking bigs uh in the past couple years that we've seen uh and his ability to i I feel like he's got a lot of potential as like a short roll passer and that's incredibly valuable to me at an nba level that's why i was so high on someone like uh xavier tillman uh last year i think i had like tillman 18th or something on my board something like that and uh, that's looking like a pretty good take at the moment. But uh, with, with with Garuba, I don't I don't ever see him being uh, an an option per se in terms of scoring on offense. But if he can be a guy who can who can set good screens, he can be um, a short roll passing option to to get the offense moving and flowing. If he can just be one of those like extra utility guys on offense where he does the minimum of scoring efficiently and keeping the ball moving, uh, that is where I feel like is the most uh, valuable I would I would take I would take that top 10 uh, it, it just it's in terms of what kind of value are you wanting to get back in a top 10 pick yeah I mean so what would you say is the baseline if you're picking in the 8 to 10 range and just an average draft what kind of production are you expecting back in return I, I think I'd expect at least rotational bench player 
Like, not like a, a 12 At the very minimum, yeah. Yeah, at the very minimum, that is. Like, yeah. once you get past, like, you know, like, oh, this guy can't play in the rotation. This guy is like, uh, like, some games we're having to sit him. He's getting DNP coaches' decisions. I think that's when it becomes an issue of, of hey, this guy might be a bust, actually. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think this guy's a bust. But yeah. honestly, you could expect more, but that's just where I set my expectations. Like, a guy like Jarrett Culver, for example, yeah. was somebody I was very high on. At this point, I mean, it's looking like he's a bust. I mean, can he improve and not become a bust? I would agree, and a, yeah. And a lot of it just comes down to the fact that he needs to become more of like a rotational player, like a rotational quality player. Because ultimately, with the draft, you know, you're going to miss. Some players are just not going to be what they were before. You know, that's just kind of how, that's kind of how things are. So it's those risks, but mm-hmm. at the at the bare minimum for like a top, you know, eight or t- top ten, you kind of need to. They kind of need to be rotational, especially in that spot, which I definitely could see Gruba being. But like, I, I'm also scared yeah. of that outcome where it turns out he's just like a, a like a, a situational defensive player, just because like the offensive game is so bad. But that that's just me, obviously. Yeah, that that would that would be worst case. Oh, not even worst case scenario, but that would be a pretty poor outcome for someone like Gruba. But um. I think I'm the kind of person who's willing to to buy into that kind of development. I don't know whether I'm overvaluing uh, that feel for passing that he has, uh, and even the slight uh, showcasing of shooting that he's done, albeit not the greatest. It's kind of my stance on him at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I like Garuba. Just I don't know. Um, how do you feel about? Okay, I'm gonna butcher the name Seguin. He, he plays in Turkey for Basakis. I think that's yeah. how you say it. I I've, got, I've got no clue how to pronounce I think I'm okay. pretty sure his first name is pronounced just Alperin, so we, we could call him. All right. Call him Look, Al- I'm going to be 100% honest. Al- I do not good. like this guy at all. Like, I am I am very I've low seen, on him. I've seen very little of him. Look. Very, very little When I had him. Nikki on the podcast, he told me 6'10 post score. I was out right away. I'm not feeling it. To be honest, I appreciate yeah. the fact that the dude scores, and apparently he's shown hints of a jump shot. Look, when you're 6'10, you're getting all your points in the post, and you're playing in Turkey respectfully, I'm not feeling you. It's just how I am. Look. I could do yeah, that. I, if I was six ten, you know, I'm six one right now. If I randomly grew nine inches, I think I could do it as well. Yeah, the the, the thing with him for me is, um, I feel like I have this view with a lot of bigs. As long as you can learn to defend in space, I, I feel like that is is super important uh, in, in this this NBA. Uh, and also being able to stretch the floor, whether that is even a long two, just being able to be a threat. Uh, at that position and be able to play high low as well uh those are important things and it's whether Sengen can actually get to that point because at the moment as you said he's pretty much just a highly productive post scorer um a great rebounder as well and i feel like that rebounding is going to translate so at least that, that's an nba skill in which is going to translate but post scoring is just so invaluable these days yeah especially when you're considering like uh, the best post scores in the league, like whenever they do it, I'm kind of like, wow, that was a cool post move. But like, I, it's just like such, it's such like an infrequent thing that is kind of like, eh, like, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's not something that you can like tip your cap on like, oh yeah, this guy's a post score. He's going to be in the league. Like this isn't 2005 anymore. People, Greg Oden ain't exactly. walking through that door. Like, like it or not. If <laughs> look, you gotta, you gotta be at least able to score in some other offensive way, whether that's just rim running. Like we've seen guys like Jackson Hayes do, or that's guys like yep. shooting where, you know, you're talking about like guys stretching the floor and all that, or, or in, in extreme cases, like, you know, MVPs like Jokic and Embiid is putting the ball on the floor. So, I just I can't get down yeah. with it, it's, and it's an issue because I, I he gets rated very highly, especially on Twitter and stuff. And Tankathon has him very high. I've seen him, I've seen him top ten in some cases. I, I remember seeing one board in which he was like sixth or something. I thought that was ridiculous. See, it just becomes a thing to me. Then, like you're really, 
it's a lot to you. You're really betting on him being able to use his best skill, which is at this point is post scoring. That and him leaning on, you know, obviously that touch from shooting becoming a real. Which obviously, look, yeah. when you're starting to project guys as shooters, I don't know. I, I especially don't do it with big men. Look, guards maybe, but big men, you're you're drawing, you're you're running a thin line right there. Maybe maybe I'm a I'm a shooting optimist, but I I do feel like his shot can come around to a point in which. Maybe he's shooting league average from three, not on high volume, but can be a threat out there. Almost like Daniel Tice kind of shooter, if that makes sense. I mean, it does. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just whether he can defend in space. That, that's incredibly important to me. And as you were saying before, uh, a, a cool way of kind of looking at this is how he can play off of other creators. Because the the, the most optimal way to play uh, NBA basketball isn't to operate through a post score unless it is someone like a Jokic or an Embiid who can then create off of that. I don't think Sengen's ever going to get to the level in which he's uh, look, able to create off of his post scoring. That's, I have questions. Not how it's going to. I have questions if this guy's like is going to be as good as like Alex Lynn was. Like, so I'm not ready to start, you know, saying, "Oh, Jokic." Yeah. Like, I know everybody no, wants to look at that. I'm just, I'm just using. Yeah. Alex oh no, one hundred percent. To really show how good you have to be to. Look, it, you, it's one of those things score. as a post score. You either have to be playing at a, where you're an MVP politics in every sentence, like in beating Yokajar, or look, you're Jalil exactly. Okafor wasting away on different teams like the Pistons and the Pelicans. Look, it's one or the other. Exactly. You can't have both. With, with Singen, how I view it is that he's going to come in, he's going to be, I would probably say, one of the most promising post players, or post game players, not actual post players uh, in the league. And you're going to be able to play him to chuck him out there in a mismatch feel like it's just going to be one of those kind of bigs off the bench yeah no definitely i mean whenever i feel you i don't know i just don't like him but it does seem like yeah i'm not a huge fan either it seems like a few of the uh the uh the international guys are getting very hyped one guy philip putrasev i've liked him for a few years not gonna lie hey i think he's kind of yeah. you know wavered off look i still think he can be good i know he's kind of old he's uh he's gonna be 21 at the draft i'm still a believer personally Jeez. No, i i i've been quite the fan of him as well i haven't seen any of him this season no i haven't seen him i'll just be honest with that cycles but I did, I did, I did like what he was doing stateside, and um, I don't know. I could see myself being talked into him being draftable. Yeah, one hundred percent. At the moment, I, I haven't even looked towards him. I'm still working through a few other guys. How many guys would you say you've watched this year? I, I just like to ask people that question. Yeah. So, so my big board at the moment, it, it's about forty-five players deep, uh, and that's that's not including a few guys who I may have may have seen a little bit of, like um. In terms of international guys, like someone like um, Rokas Jukobotis, if that's how you pronounce it, I've seen a little bit of him, but not enough to where I feel confident of like nailing him onto onto my big board and saying this is how he how I feel about him. So, yeah, no, I wonder. I mean, I, it's, it's yeah. just a fun question to ask people. Um, let me yeah. ask you this: I think last year I went like I went a hundred deep last year. Yeah, see, that, that's look, mainly because it was a COVID year where we had time to be able to do that. Definitely. Look, once I start getting past like sixty-five, I'm just out. Really? Yeah. I find it kind of fun to look at these guys who you just know are going to end up like overseas doing nothing and potentially not playing basketball in five years. Sometimes it's just kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, you, you, then you can throw their name out as a. You remember this? Look, you're definitely not wrong on that. <laughs> But uh, who's your number one prospect? I'm going to guess it's Cade, is it? It's Cade, yep. I, I feel like everyone's Cade. Cade. 
I feel like there's there's the people who just have Cade at one, and then you have your hipsters. Even though I will say, I used to be in the part of the hipsters yeah. crowd. Shout out to Evan Mobley. Look, look, people. I had to give it up. I needed to see Evan Mobley do more in the tournament. He didn't do enough. Cade got the number one spot. That's just how it goes. I will admit there have been times where I've been like, maybe I could put Mobley one just for a bit of fun. But when it, when it comes down to it, I don't think you can. Here's my thing. I, I don't think I could talk myself into it. Here's my thing with you know the Mobley and Cade thing. Is one that... Cade, you can just say, oh, his teammate sucked. And, you know, for, like, a point guard who's super high usage, you know, he was getting double teamed. You could, that's very well. You can just lean your hat on that. Yeah. You're like, yo, his team's terrible. He's not going to have to deal with this in the NBA. He's my number one prospect. That's it. But with Mobley, it's kind of like you you kind of have to – got to really believe in the fact that a, a big man can have more productional value than a point guard, especially a primary ball handler. So that's my issue is that – Cade being a point guard who who a team's going to give the keys of their franchise to, like, hey, you're bringing the ball up every time, you're going to be creating the plays for us, you're going to be, you know, driving to the basket and all that. With Mobley, it's kind of like, hey, look, we have our guys on the team, you're going to come in, we're going to fit, you know, maybe we'll build around you, but we're not building with you being our number one option or our number one, you know, ball handler or something. So that's, it kind of just makes me go the Cade at one over it. Yeah, but that's where you start having to weigh up your own like uh, philosophy on scouting in terms of uh, how much you value the defensive impact someone like even Mobley can have. So I, I doubt Cade's ever going to get to that level in which he can provide um, that almost anchor to a team's defense like Mobley can. That's where a lot of the hype for current players, like um, someone like Bam, Bam's a great example. Uh, the the way he's able to anchor the Heat's defense and um, provide that versatility, almost like to a, to a game changing level. How much you value that, and because it, it's a rare to come by as well, I would say. I think Mobley's a case where you can see a team talking themselves into being like, "Hey, we've already got our creators. This is a rare thing to come across." In the end, I still feel like Cade's the better prospect. Yeah, death. I consider both of them generational for what it's worth. I, 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 most of the people I've talked to have agreed. Would you agree with that? Yes, yeah, so I, I would agree, agree to it to, a, uh, to an extent. Like it, it, then it just comes down to a debate of what we consider generational. Yeah, but I mean, eventually, I think, I think they're two top tier prospects. Eventually, in when you're talking about the draft, eventually a lot of it turns away from actual uh, rating players, and it turns into what you view as your philosophy, like how you're viewing players and such, which is kind of cool because it's just you know one of those things. That's where like the operator error and stuff comes into it. That's why like sometimes you have really big hits and sometimes you have really big misses. Let me ask exactly. you something. Yeah. One player you've watched this year that you feel like is getting underrated a lot? Uh, oh, it was, it'd probably be JT Thor. I've got Thor at like 15 at the moment, and I wouldn't be surprised if I raised him up a little bit. I've been a huge Thor fan since I first watched him. So uh, he's he's someone I can I, I would say I'm pretty high on compared to others. I, I've seen him get a, like a bit one. of hype. You know, not like enough to where, you know, where I'm like, oh, no, he's getting too much hype. You can't use that. But I've, I've seen him get a bit more hype. Like, I've seen a few people with him lottery. Yeah. She recently. And then um, another guy would be, probably be like Chris Duarte from Oregon. He's, he's a guy that I've got top 20 at the moment. So, probably those two are like my guys this year in terms of being way higher on than the consensus. Let me let me ask what you about about you. Something. Is Ter- Terrence Shannon? Terrence Shannon, you? definitely. You know, having him top five. <laughs> uh, Charles Bassey as well. I've been on the Bassey train for a while. I feel like people are just missing with Charles Bassey for what it's worth. You know, yeah, that guy. Yeah. That guy has a freak of body nature. Like you look at that guy. That guy does not look like a basketball player. That guy looks like he's like like he's in the gym. You know, pumping iron six days a week. 
That, that yeah, he's I, like one of those guys I feel like people have just forgotten exist. Yeah, no, definitely. Over the he, years. He, 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 honestly, he could have come out like two years ago. Yeah, he could have came out as a freshman and legitimately been drafted at least in, you know, at least in like the mid-early second. But, I mean, obviously he had the yeah, injury yeah. last year. And I thought he was good this year too. Like, I, I don't know. You know, you see the defensive rebounding. You see the defense. You see the mobility. You see, obviously, I hate it's hard to sound sus how much I'm mentioning it, but you see that body. You see that three-point shooting touch. <laughs> I mean, look, after a while, you got to just be like, yo, this guy could like, if we're taking centers in the second round or like, we're just taking a flyer on someone in the first round. There's a lot worse options than him. So I, I don't understand why, you know, Tankathon has him at the end of the second, which I'm kind of like, like, what? Like, come on now. Tankathon's always been a little questionable in terms of the. Yeah, they have Jalen Suggs as their number one player, which I don't think I've seen anybody else with. Really? Yeah, though, no, their uh, big board goes That's Suggs, Mobley, Cunningham, Green, Kuminga. So they don't oh. have K. They only have K two top two. They have and they've three. got they've got Sing in there at, at, at nine, as well. Yeah, look that, that I, I respect that dude because his site is admittedly very good. But Lou Lad, those draft opinions sometimes are just yeah. like, what are we doing? Yeah, I, I appreciate being able to sim the lottery, but don't think I'm ever going to them for a bit of big board inside. They're almost as bad as um, what's it called? Oh Lord. NBA draft.net. NBA draft.net, exactly. No, it's getting to the point to where... It used to be, like, super... Dude, it used to be so good, but now they're just like, you know what? Forget it. Corey Kispert, number one yeah, overall. I, I used to be super frequent on NBA draft.net forums. Like, that's where I got into the NBA draft. Like, I would say, like, 2014 is when I really got into it. But since then, it's just dropped off dramatically. Not only has the forum died, but just the content on the website and their mock drafts in particular... What's their mock at the moment? Um, they have Johnny Juzang in the lottery. <laughs> Scotty Barnes at six. Davion Mitchell. Oh, I was actually going to ask uh, you about that. Thoughts on uh, the Davion Mitchell hype? It seems like after March Madness, his stock just absolutely inflated to the moon. Like any, it yeah, really. I I think it's insane, especially seeing some mocks with him in the six to nine range. It just uh, it baffles my mind, dude. It's beyond the, the me. Context. It's like it's like come on, people. We've seen this before. Just because you play well in March Madness and in the NCAA tournament does not mean that it pans out. Like we saw another guy like Malachi Richardson, who you know was obviously a late like late yeah. first, but then like the people are talking about this guy going like top top seven, and I'm like, now hold on, I didn't know I think- about this guy until March Madness started. I mean, I'm a casual this year, but come on now, I kind of <laughs> feel like I sh- I kind of feel like if you're it's- mocking someone in the top seven, I should know who they are. Exactly. I've got him I've got him like in the twenties at the moment, and even then that feels generous. But like, oh, it, it just absolutely baffles me. Like I could understand the Dante DiVincenzo rise a little bit. That's that's paid off well. But for for someone like Davian Mitchell to be now put the top ten, it's just ridiculous. Because he didn't really prove anything more than what we already knew. Didn't show anything extra as a prospect, which made you go, Yep, that's a guy that I can see having this like extended development or like this added extra area in which i can project him growing in he didn't show anything like that it was just the same player on a bigger stage it's it's one of those things where you know these guys they play so well in march madness and people are like that's it that's the biggest stage this is where men are made this is where this is where players play in march baby let's put them at top five in our mock drafts i'm like no hold on hold on hold on storyline I don't know. I mean, also, I feel like a lot of a lot of the Donovan Mitchell like jokes have actually elevated his draft. One, stock. I thought they were related. Oh, I'll be honest. Same number, same size. Like, I I didn't know they were related until someone like like, like hey yeah no they're not related at all like 
I, I saw the same number. I saw the same last name. I was all in, I thought they were like cousins or something, but they weren't. <laughs> on the other side, you have Corey Kispert, who was a victim of who was a victim of the same thing, except that his stock didn't go up; it dropped a lot. I'm going to be honest. I wasn't high on Kispert yeah, before. Has he been projected in recent mock drafts? I mean, I've seen him at the I've seen him out of the lottery. But you remember before March Madness, because I think out of the lottery is a good position for him. Because I'm just low on him in general. Like I'm not a big fan of his archetype. But before yeah. that, you know, there's people who had him like yeah. top seven, top nine, top ten. I mean. This was a guy who was legitimately getting hyped up to, you know, getting to, to go, like, top 10. And now you're kind of seeing, like, after this March Madness where, like, he was kind of non-existent, you know, uh, um, that, uh, that what's his name? I've got his name. It's, it's, the, it's the guy with the mustache on uh, Gonzaga. Ah. Uh, you know, he Timmy? was. Yeah, Timmy. He was getting hyped up over him. You know, Jalen Suggs obviously had a really good, um, really good March. So it just kind of seemed like the Corey Kispert like love started to fade away over March. But, you know, when it comes back, you know, you have Davion Mitchell whose stock rose a bunch from March and you have Kispert who's dropped from March. Do you let March Madness and stuff like that, you know, per, you know, the NBL has a tournament, you know, EuroLeague has a tournament. Do you let that stuff affect your philosophy at all? Because I, I don't think you do. And I personally don't. a huge don't. amount. Unless, unless, unless it's, it's several games in a row in which they show something new, which is going to be able to, like, changes who they are as a prospect because otherwise it's just them on a hot streak uh unless it is against say like an incredible incredible defender and they really show out against someone who is an nba caliber defender or something like that it's a little valuable and i might boost them a bit for the, uh, the playoffs and various international leagues don't mean a whole lot to me yeah, I mean it's just one of those things. Like I feel like I feel I feel like people let the postseason affect like uh, an entire year's body of work. That's just me though. But look, I'm not here to tell people how to watch the draft. The same can be said about the NBA. Uh, the hype that Jamal Murray got after his bubble that was, and then he kind of came back to earth, and people were like, "What's happened?" When T- it's just the exact same player, TJ Warren, just he happened same to be on happened? a bit of a hot streak. TJ Warren, another great example. It's just, I don't know. I, I get why people do it because those, I mean, obviously when you're always late, it matters so much, you know, in, in, in the yeah. biggest moments, it doesn't matter more, but it doesn't matter. I don't think it's, it's just, I have an issue with people thinking it should just completely change their evaluations of guys or like bump guys up or like bump guys down. It's almost like people are playing more into storylines than what, what's actually in front of them. And it's fun to play into those storylines, I guess. Everyone loves a good story. When, when it comes down to it, you're just tricking yourself into it. that's back to josh giddy that's where some of his hype is coming from is the whole lamello ball tall point guard josh giddy tall point guard look at this he's going to be the successor to lamello kind of thing like he's same archetype when they're not really at all yeah i mean 100 yeah I guess I want to talk to you about Zaire Williams, a guy I'm a very big fan of. Lost a lot of stock throughout the year, you know. Apparently dealt with some injury mm-hmm. stuff, you know, dealt with some performance issues. What are your thoughts on Zaire Williams? I, I have him top seven, not going to lie. I've got him top ten. See, I feel I've like I'm kind of like in the same nine boat. at the moment. I'm still a big yeah, fan I, of him. I, 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 I still feel like he's good. I, I still like him. I, I, I do think I have gotten a little lower on him because there was a point in which I had him more at six or seven a, bit, like, a few months ago. And then I've just kind of come into this this realization of maybe nine to ten is a little more comfortable for someone like him. But I would say I mean, I'm still quite the fan of him, especially considering there are some mocks in big boards which have him in the twenties. Yeah, no, people who are low on him, I feel like it's a failure to learn thing. 
Look, when you have these guys who are like six foot ten dribbling and shooting like Zaire Williams does, you look at Jaden McDaniels, you look at Pokuzevsky just from last year. Look, you kind of gotta like buy the stock in on them. That's just my two cents, though. Like some of these guys are too tall. He's, he's got one of the highest ceilings. Yeah, well, these guys are too tall and too lengthy for you to be like, oh yeah, they played bad in college. They played bad in a few games. Let's just like reject them. I, I'm not feeling that to be honest. I, buying into his coordination as well. Yeah, I feel like I, I just feel like he gets too much hate. Like it's undeserved. But I mean, also, I mean, admittedly, he didn't play the best this year, so that's where a lot of it comes from. How do you feel about Shire Cooper? Yeah. Sharif Cooper, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> Sharif Cooper, um, I like him. I kind of project him as like a, a really solid backup guard at the next level. I'm not a huge fan of how his shooting might project to the next level or develop. I it just I don't know. Is it, why does he lean backwards when he shoots? They just uh, just don't understand it. But um, trends. I think I think he's a great pick and roll. He's a great pick and roll player. Uh, eyes up. As a playmaker, he's not not a great defender. Like I mean, he gets his he gets a few steals here and there, but I honestly think he's just going to be like a solid playmaker off the bench, and I would take that top twenty still. Yeah, he's going I'm, to be able to contribute. No wonder I I really like him. Like a you know this is obviously a Hawks podcast, so if you want to hear some stuff about the Hawks, here you go. I I like him with our pick. Like if he's there, you know we're still looking for that point guard of the future. Sharif could be that. Like he's a legitimate passer, can score, can you know drive to the bucket. Look, might need to take a look at him, but he does do some stuff where I'm like, eh, I don't know. Like I don't. I saw some people with him in the lottery. I was like, all right, I think y'all got a little too much dip on your chips, but hey, you do you. Yeah, I don't think I'd take him lottery, but definitely mid-first round. Like, I, I feel like I, I wouldn't want to call him a safe pick. But um, out of some of the other point guard prospects there, I, don't know, I just like him. I think I think he's fun. Uh, I think he's I think he's safe in terms of how he projects um, as a ball handler. Uh, of course, there are those scoring concerns. Um, some cases with his finishing and definitely in his shooting but i don't i think he's got a nice enough touch to where i can see him becoming league average as a finisher in terms of point guards and th- th- that's good enough especially when you've got someone like fred van fleet who's um getting so much credit for being such a poor finisher like he's still a great player without being a good finisher as uh, in part to his shooting but with someone like cooper if the, and all you're doing is finishing average averagely and like being a great pick and roll initiator Sure, that's worth a mid-first rounder. Yeah, no, I mean, I one hundred percent agree with you there. Um, I was going to ask you about this. Any, uh, what do you think of? Have you been keeping up with any of the NBA news today? There was actually a big uh, article, not a whole lot today. A big article that came out from uh, Chris Haynes, who you know is very sourced up with the Trailblazers. Apparently, teams are looking at Dame's, and Dame has like behind closed doors to like family members and friends and stuff has called the, called this year the worst year of his career. So, and I think a lot of that obviously has to do with Dame. He's obviously struggled with injuries, but also, I mean, if you're looking at the Trailblazers, it's very easy to see that you you can see right through that team and see, hey, look, they're not a contender, and you know they're they they're starting to look like. One of those teams who might not even make much noise in the playoffs. So I don't know. It's just interesting yeah. because do you think there's any possible way Dame could get traded? You know, people look at Dame as you know, oh, uh, he's so loyal. You know, he's their franchise player. But is there any way that you could see a team like you know one of the teams that was rumored was the Knicks? Could you see like the I can Blazers? see teams trying to trade for him? Oh, teams I, are always going to call them. I him. doubt it happens though. There will definitely be. Um, like offers sent, but I, I I don't know. I just don't see Dame leaving Portland. 
like for even even for as much as he talks about his loyalty and we we kind of just accept that as truth i i do think it is true i i actually struggle to see him away from portland unless it's like at the end of his career but over the next few years i think that's just going to be damien damien lillard just in portland average mediocre not quite a contender team but good enough to stick around a little it's one of those things and that's just how it's been over the past few years anyway I don't know. At some point, I kind of feel like Dame is going to ha- want to win. But also, at the same time, I don't know that for sure because the dude definitely has, you know, look, that loyalty means a lot to him. And good for him. You I mean, it pays to be loyal in this life. But, look, at some point, Dame, you, you, if you want to be regarded, you know, as the point guard of the talent level you are, you might have to get out of Portland because, like, some of the decisions that front office has made, you know, keeping Terry Stott, so I just think is obviously bad now. And I don't know. I kind of feel like, you know, yeah, maybe, I agree with you there. maybe he just needs to start looking at, you know, getting out, which is something that uh, is very popular in the NBA. Like you have, you know, a guy like Paul George, you know, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, you know, they all left the cities that, you know, kind of made them. So I don't know. It just, I mean, yeah, LeBron yeah. it is interesting to me. And, you know, I think, you know, Dame instantly, if he, if there is any rumor of him wanting to be traded, he instantly becomes the hottest name on the block without a doubt. Unless like, LeBron exactly. out of unless like LeBron's like yo I actually don't like LA like I made I made my Space Jam movie I'm ready to move on from this yeah because you you would agree with me that Damian Lillard is the second best point guard in the league right no I have him third well, who do you have I recently did uh my point guard rankings I came I came at him with in, in, in a third place so basically two for what it's worth who do, you, who do you have second then? I have Kyrie. Uh, or? Yeah, I have Kyrie. I have Curry, Kyrie, Dame is my yeah. top three. Yeah, no, I mean, there's not much distance in between them as players, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just part of me just sees Dame like. I mean, in recent years, we've kind of come to accept that uh, even no matter how loyal a player is or how important they might be to that franchise, they can still just get traded as easily as anyone else. We've seen that. Like we've we've seen superstars just going like front and center but with dame there just feels like something different there yeah it's one of those things where it's just like i'm not believing until i see it type things like i never thought russell westbrook yeah. would, would would leave the thunder i mean he was traded and i never thought james Harden would leave houston it's, it's one of those things where situations always change in the nba like stuff is always changing and loyalty doesn't exist in the nba like look at blake griffin and the clippers i mean they they saw an opportunity to make their team better they pounced right on it so it's one of those things. Damian Lillard made comments about what teams he would go to if he was to move on. I know one of them is the Knicks because I saw a lot of Knicks fans talking about it today on Twitter, but uh, I, I don't know who the other. I've just was. searched it up. It's really interesting. So he he's listed. This is from 2017, and uh, he was asked by some dude on uh, Twitter, uh, Dame, if you had the opportunity to sign with any team in the league today, other than the Trailblazers, what team would it be? And he just responded with, if the Blazers said they didn't want me, be the Utah Jazz or the Lakers. I know there was a lot of Lakers hype uh, a year ago or so. Yeah, I mean, look. It Utah was, Jazz is an odd choice there. Well, it's because uh, he went to a college at Weber State, which is in Utah. He's, like, very close with their community. Yeah. I, I, would, I would still say it's a bit of an odd choice, though. I also heard that apparently, like, a lot of... Well, it was in that article that Chris Haynes uh, tweeted out. A lot of, um... Like, when Gary Trent Jr., you remember that trade? It was at the deadline. Um, when it happened... What's it called? They were apparently mad about that. Like, everyone kind of loved Gary Trent Jr. Like, and it, which makes sense, because, I mean, think of him in the bubble last year. I mean, he was saving their ass a lot of the times. Yeah. But I can understand why they traded him, to be fair. 
he was he'd already re- rejected a contract offer from them if i remember correctly yeah i think it was, it was a pretty uh, sizable one as well yeah i think it was 15 million dollars a year which personally makes a lot of sense for the blazers to be like hey look look when you start giving guys like gary trent jr over 15 million dollars you got to reevaluate your front office no offense to gary trent jr big fan of his wishing him the best in toronto but you know hey yeah yeah As- when, when you're paying that big money to like what i would call like an irrational confidence shooter uh yeah and back to um like portland's situation with damian lillard like i do think they need to move on from this core of dj mccullum and like yosef nurkic and people like that yeah i hate their I mean, core. they've been going at it for years and it's just it's just me mediocrity I, I would love to see them shake it up even more than what they've done getting norman powell was cool He's had some big moments for them already and uh, some pretty clutch moments. But I don't know. I feel like Paul and fans deserve for it to be mixed up a little. My thing Whether was, that's moving Damian Lillard, I'm not sure. But definitely moving the pieces around him. Look, the pieces too. around him are terrible. Look, at some point, you, you know, we all love, you know, there's sometimes when you're looking, you're looking at your friend group, you're reevaluating things. You're like, look, we had great moments. You got to look at CJ McCollum. You'd be like, hey, CJ, we had great moments. Remember all those, you know, clutch mid-range shots that you missed and all those times you watched Dame Iso at the end of the game? Nurkage, remember all the times you watched from the bench because you get hurt every other month? You know, look, you got to be like, hey, those were fun. But look, I need to, I need to move on for the best of me. Like, loyalty don't exist. Like, you got to choose. Like, are we tearing this whole thing down with Dame at all? Or are we just going to try and redo it? And, and ultimately, I hate to say it, I don't think it's going to be either. That's kind of just the way Portland rolls. Like, Portland kind of is just like, yeah, we're just kind of fine with what we are. Like, we'll make, like, these kind of moves where we get, we get guys like Norman Powell. We, we signed Carmelo Anthony. We signed Derek Jones Jr. Look, hey, we think we can contend. It doesn't work out. And then we all come back to the conversations of they need to scramble their eggs. Right now, they're just pouring them out and cooking them. They need to scramble the eggs. And scrambling starts with trading McCollum and Nurkic. You're welcome. Ever, ever since ever since Aldridge and uh, like Wesley Matthews and Batum all left, I feel like every single year since then, it's just been the same conversation of, oh, so when are they going to blow shit up? When are they going to blow it up? When are they going to blow it up? Every single year. And it all just comes back to, oh, no, they're okay. They're doing well. They're like a good playoff team. Or not good in the playoffs, but like... They're a yeah, dark yeah. horse every year, and people buy into it so hard, and that's why they keep doing it. It's because every year you you read these things from the people, they're like, I think the Blazers can make a run, and look, it's about to change hands. It's about to be the Mavericks who people say that about. So remember this. Remember that I told you this. Yeah. Every year how people say the Blazers are going to make some type of run in the playoffs and they don't, it's going to become the Mavericks. And it has everything yeah, to do. I'm buying into that. I, I think that's a good take. One, 100% it has everything to do with people thinking Luca's Dame and Dame is Luca, which Luca's probably better, in my opinion, but I also don't care enough to argue that. Look, that's what it's going to turn into. Dame, Portland needs to recognize your time of being the, the league's darling is slowly coming to an end because after a while, you know, look, Dame's going to want to win. His fans are going to want to see him win. You know, when you're fans of players, like I'm a fan of Paul George, look, Paul George gets that ring 100%. I'm fine with whatever it takes to get it. That's my favorite player. I want him to get a ring. If I was a Dame fan, I'd be feeling the same way. Loyalty only matters so much in the NBA. In life, loyalty is everything. In the NBA, look, something got to be negotiated. You get better one, options, one you got to live. One thing that also needs to be discussed here is, like, McCollum's 29 already. Uh, it's, it's not as if McCollum's going to be here and, like, say – four or so years at the same level of production uh and then Nurkic is 26 but as you mentioned earlier he's just um faced so many uh injury problems so far he's aged really so badly like, like those injury problems have been terrible really problems. badly yeah so what is the future on this team at the moment because i don't know how you feel about someone like simons 
Who I had a massive game the other day. But. Yeah, no, Simon's had a great game the other day. Fun fact, he's actually on a 538 Raptor, worst defender in the entire league for like a minimum of like 200 minutes, which is crazy. Really? Because the future, really, if I'm just looking at their roster, so Simon's, maybe, I don't see him becoming a starter, though. No, um, I, I think he's just like a kind of sort of a I'm not a fan player. of Alibi. I think, I think Alibi is terrible. I yeah, I, him, like, I don't in like the LLB. 90s. Th- their, drafts have, big board. their drafts have always been bad, with the exception of Nazir Little, who I'm very high on, and I feel like... Yeah, be, I was about to move on Little. Little's nice. I, I think he's I, a yeah, nice piece. I, I, I had Little uh, top 10 back in 2019. I'm a very big fan of his, and I still am, and I still feel like he can be a very good rotational player. But here's my thing with Portland... Like, you know, they're so they're so focused on trying to get this core to work. Like, what if they just trade away little? Like, what if they're just like, hey, like, let's buy in on someone? It's like, I don't know, because like he's by far their Zach, best young Zach guy. Zach Collins is an interesting piece as well, though. I think he's an RFA this summer. Zach Collins is great aside from the injury concerns. One hundred percent. Yeah, but other than that, like, what what are they working with? I mean, look, and also that Robert Covington trade was terrible. Yeah. I mean, it, very it, much so. It's really a. It's. I. I wish they knew how to draft better because Dame desperately needs that, and not just Dame. Like that fan base desperately needs. Um, what's it called? Definitely needs to. Um, they deserve something. The, the issue immediately becomes yeah. is they need they need to scramble the eggs, like you were saying. Look, you got to start evaluating some stuff, and I think they need to. And I think. Some of the best. I don't think they should trade Dame now. If I was Portland, I wouldn't trade Dame. Trade Dame. Trade Dame now. I, I'd first start out with like you were saying, remixing the core around him. That's what I'd do. Exactly. And it's, it's about how soon are they going to do that? Because we were you were talking about how their their drafting hasn't been great. They don't even have a first round pick this year. And do they even have a second? I don't think they have their second either this year. Oh, they don't. It's in Memphis. Uh, so you, you've got that 2022 first round pick. Depends if they want to blow stuff up like right before next season, we could potentially see Portland aiming for maybe like a late lottery pick next season. It could be interesting to see. I mean, look, they need to they need to start they gotta rearrange it. I don't know. I think it's interesting. But I do feel like the Dame trade talks are only gonna get they're only gonna heat up more and more from here. And usually where yeah. where there's smoke, there's usually fire people. Exactly, exactly. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk about your your team for a second. The Celtics. I mean, obviously, this team this year pretty much hasn't gone the way that I don't think any Celtics fan wanted to go. Yeah, well, uh, I'll check what the score is for the Spurs game at the moment. Cause Y'all are down by a lot. The Spurs were leading us like seventy seven forty eight. Yeah, uh, which isn't the greatest start. No, it's not. Look, the Hawks are there tonight. We're playing against the Sixers, and it's just as bad. So, I yeah, they're currently up ninety three seventy five. Yeah. Oh, this is shambles. But I have—I honestly have barely followed the Celtics this season. Like, I've got—I've got the team pass and everything. Yet I just haven't been watching games. I think part of that is just like having a busy personal life at the moment and like watching a lo- almost too much NBL basketball. Uh, but when it comes down to it, I just haven't been enjoying it. The team just isn't fun like it usually is. Like Marcus Smart was out for a, a large period of time, and Jason Tatum's had some god awful games uh, efficiency wise. I mean, look, I'm going to be honest. You know, the only team I'm really focused on is the Hawks. Like, I don't, I don't watch much NBA outside of the Hawks. I'll, I'll be the so first I just to haven't been tr- uh, Before we start wrapping this up, QK, do you have anything else you want to say? Uh, anything else you want to discuss? Uh, nothing in particular, really. Uh, I, th- I think my, my general message here is just, like, NBL is pretty cool and exciting moving forward. 
that's kind of like my field of interest at the moment so yeah that, that, that's all that's on my mind i'm, I'm gonna check out a few games I'll, I'll be honest i mean i'm gonna check out a few games yeah um, well i mean they're they're all available on twitch which is yeah that, that's actually uh, really cool. cool i remember that was a thing and i was like wow that's yeah. really cool but uh yeah it's just it, the, the timing of when they're on is a bit annoying yeah. but having the replays there is is pretty handy See, you know new zealand being 16 hours ahead of me you know it just kind of kills me sometimes man like i don't know i get very confused by you know it's saturday over there for you it's still friday night over <laughs> here yep well i guess i do want to yeah. ask you oh that. it's kind of it's kind of fun being so ahead you know yeah, no, it's it's fun being in the future. But the thing is, for me, like I I miss your guys's uh, mornings. Yeah. So like uh, with 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 us, NBA games are like midday or like early afternoon. See, that's really which, cool. Which to is me. pretty awesome. Yeah, because you guys, yeah. like, I remember I saw a picture. It was like these guys in Auckland. They were like eating lunch and watching a Lakers game. I was like, that's so cool, though. Yeah, yeah, and these these are a few cool um uh, things you can go to like. Uh, have you heard of cells i imagine you have yeah i have yeah so we've got like a few cells restaurants here and they're just always playing like american sports so you can just go there for lunch and like watch an nba game live which which is a pretty cool experience so it's it's great timing (laughs) i mean no it sounds great look i'm gonna make the trip over to new zealand someday i don't know when you know hope i think after covid you know because that's that my travel plans (laughs) i highly recommend it Look, I, I want to, but look, I tr- I looked the other day. It cost a lot to get over there, so you know I got to start saving some money. But uh, no, I I just want to yeah, say just, uh, it costs a fair amount. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I, I wanted to say thank you for coming on QK. I I genuinely appreciate no it a problem. Lot. I needed a I needed a, a late game sub. You came right off the bench. You took off the bench suit. You're like came I'm ready, clutch. coach. No, I uh, came before, in clutch. You know, before we uh, end things, do you have anything you want to shout out of yours, or you know, you can shout out your Twitter. Oh, no, just else? just a just a just a, oh my players that no one cares about every now and then uh other than that quick shout out to the loony bin shout out to the loony bin real like that they do that's shout out to the loony bin look you know yeah. but thank you to qk that is going to do it for episode 40 of hawks talks thank you to everyone for listening thank you to qk for recording and get well soon to logan we we're, we're praying for you buddy uh that'll do it for episode 40 hope you have a great rest of rumkey is hiring cdl drivers age 19 and up and drivers are paid based on experience Rumkey CDL drivers earn $1,000 to $1,300 per week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in their first year. Rumkey drivers are home daily, work in a recession-resistant industry, receive great benefits and performance incentives. Start a lucrative career and apply now at rumkeycareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. With the powerful combination of Michelin X1 tires and the Michelin Energy Guard aerodynamic solution on your truck, you can save 17 gallons every 1,000 miles. Go to business.michelinman.com slash fuel saver for details. Your weekend. See you. Goodbye. How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. 
At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. Ready to launch a new career or not sure what to do after graduation? Rumkey is hiring for CDL driving trainees. We pay you to get your CDL license while working for us. Driver trainees receive $18 an hour, great benefits, and Rumkey will pay your CDL costs. Once you're a CDL driver, you can earn $1,000 to $1,300 a week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in your first year. Apply today and launch a lucrative career at Rumkey. Apply now at RumkeyCareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. Civil rights are as relevant now as ever. Listen to the South Carolina Legacy of Courage podcast, featuring people who stood strong against oppression. The Legacy of Courage podcast explores 19th century events and then illuminates court cases, protests, and those who affected positive change in South Carolina and nationally. Visit sclegacyofcourage.com to learn about South Carolina's civil rights journey. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com.